Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Um, today, we're going to talk all things related to MBA recruiting. I know this is top of mind for a lot of folks and something that's a, a really important topic. Why else do you go to business school rather than to land a, a great internship or a great job? And I have a great guest here with me today to, to come and talk about that. I have with me today, Paul Bauer, who is a program manager and has worked in MBA recruiting for some time. And Paul's going to talk a little bit about his experience just as an MBA recruiter and just also things he's learned from that experience working with hundreds, if not thousands of candidates. And I think it's always great to get the perspective of all the folks who are on the other side of your applications who are working hard to accelerate the time of getting folks hired in. And I think it's really valuable to hear that perspective. So let's dive in. So Paul, first and foremost, um, thanks for joining me as I was telling you the intro. You come highly regarded from a very good friend of MBA Insider, and that's Lane Austin. But would love to know a little bit more about yourself. So uh, maybe tell us a little about, bit about yourself. And just when you tell us about yourself, could you tell us something about yourself that we can't find on your LinkedIn profile? Yeah, yeah. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Elaine is amazing. So I feel honored that she recommended me. So I am yep, Paul Bauer. I am from Kentucky originally, but been in Seattle for about eight years and have worked in MBA recruiting and recruiting for other um, roles as well. But MBA has been a large part of it. I'm from Amazon, Expedia, and, and now Tableau slash Salesforce. Something that you can't find out about me on my LinkedIn. I bought a townhome in November of 2020. So that was an exciting thing to do during a pandemic and have just had a lot of fun over the last few months trying to figure out how to be a homeowner. And I went from a furnished place to nothing. My first night here, I realized I didn't have silverware. So I ate with a tablespoon. So maybe that's something that you wouldn't, you wouldn't otherwise know about me. Well, congrats on being a homeowner. Have you have you had any good home renovation projects yet or or how's it been going? Yeah, I saw this Really cool thing. I got a Pinterest because that's, I think, what people who buy homes do. And so I got on Pinterest and saw this really cool, cool woodworking thing where it essentially make, you make diamond-shaped patterns on your wall out of wood. And so spent probably about 30 or 40 hours uh, in, over two weeks getting a chop saw and staining wood and getting a nail gun with a compressor. And now I have in my living room is... Uh, Nicely stained wood, diamond-shaped wall. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, a great, I think, home project to do, particularly uh, during COVID when we're all inside. So I'm glad you were able to uh, make that productive and useful. Yeah. Okay, let's get started. Why don't you maybe share a little bit about how, how did you get started in recruiting? As you mentioned, you've done recruiting you know, in a bunch of different companies, but tell us a little bit more just about your journey into the, the recruiting space. Yeah, I went straight from undergrad to grad school, got my master's in human behavior and development from Indiana University and started uh, there working in the career center. So I worked in the career center while I was in grad school, got out of school and continued to work in career centers, moved out to Seattle and did that at a small private school down in Tacoma. And I loved working with students. I loved teaching people. But Seattle is is not 
cheap. <laughs> and I realized, okay, I'm having a lot of fun doing this, but I need to also have fun outside of my work and decided that I need to make a move that would allow me to, to explore more Seattle and, and live my life in the way that I was looking for. Transitioned from my career coaching with students alumni into recruiting. And I started out at Northwestern Mutual. And that's Northwestern Mutual Financial Services, but they're very dialed in on what it takes to be successful there, including their recruiting. So I love the data and the numbers. I knew exactly how many phone screens I needed to do to get to how many hires I was going to produce. And being able to do the math to figure that out was super fun and motivated me. And, and I, I enjoy talking to people and learning more about them. So that kind of flowed naturally. So that's how I got started in, in recruiting. That's great. And I know you mentioned you have had a number of different types of roles in recruiting, but you have seemed to have focused on MBAs in, MBA students in particular. Uh, just curious, would love to know, you know what you enjoy about that space. Like you said, there's a lot of things you could do. What do you enjoy in particular about working with MBA students? Yeah, MBA is fun. So I've worked with MBA students for probably the last four, maybe five years. I enjoy working with MBA students because typically uh, they're coming in with somewhere between three to eight years of experience before getting their MBA. I find that MBA students are, have been a little bit more critical or thoughtful around what they want to do next, or at least even if they don't know what that ideal goal is, they know they want to make a change and they know what they don't want, which, what they don't want, which I think is just as important as knowing what you do want. And it's fun to talk to people in it. And it really is more that career coaching with them as I typically have a lot of roles open. And so I can help say, okay, here's what this role do. Here's what this role do. What gets you energized? What are you excited about? And so when I'm able to have those conversations, it gets more into a con consultative role where we're really figuring out what their internship or, or next role is going to be. And, and I really like that level of conversation with them. That's great. Let's go a little bit further on that for a second, because I think as a recruiter, to the point you just made, you are sometimes playing that role of career coach or really trying to figure out based off of some of us perspective candidates' aspirations where they might you know, be a fit. I'm just curious, what does that look like for you in terms of what do you have to know? Because it's almost like a two-sided marketplace. You have to have some insight about what's out there, but you also have to be able to dig into a student. And so I'm just curious, what do you what goes behind the scenes in terms of being able to play that matchmaker, if you will? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to position it. I think the first thing to be able to do that is I have to understand my hiring teams and the roles that I'm hiring for. And so I go through a fairly in-depth process to understand those roles. I work with all my hiring teams and ask them a lot of questions. What are the must-have skills, nice-to-have skills, the adjectives to describe the team? What's someone going to learn if they've been on this team for three months? What's a potential project that they might have? Or, or if they were to join your team right now, what would they work on? And then, of course, the especially working in university recruiting, I have a general idea of which roles we're hiring for and how those grow within the organization and the futures that those roles typically have. So having that understanding is really great. And I've got all my notes and everything. So when I'm talking to candidates or students, I'm able to focus on them and just reference my notes. So when I'm talking to students, it really is um, fun because I think they want to come really prepared and say, this is exactly what I want and why. And I poke holes in that, but in a way that's collaborative because it's okay not to know. And I know that most MBA students are going to school for a career change to do what? Who knows? I think a lot of people say consulting, but that changes after the first round of uh, recruiting. And so... Once they realize that I'm also a person, I've made a career change myself, I think the guard comes down a little bit and I can say, no, like, I'm, I'm excited about you as a person. I think you've got the skills to work here. Let's figure out where. And then it becomes much more collaborative. And once they hear that I'm interested in them moving forward, I think they're more open to that exploratory conversation. 
Thank you for sharing that. And also the questions that you listed off, I love those questions because just as you are asking them to a hiring manager or a team, those are all the types of questions that I think applicants should be asking anyway when they actually you know, do apply for a role to make sure that they feel confident that it's not only going to be a fit for them, but it's something that they actually feel empowered and excited about doing. And even though you are asking those questions, I also think that those are just wonderful questions that any candidate should want to ask about a role that they're applying to. So thank you for sharing that. And I also love how you talked a little about just some of the work that you do behind the scenes. But I would love to maybe go peel this back a little further. You, I'm sure you talk with lots of MBA students, and I'm sure they're all lovely. But I would also love to know maybe what are some things you wish more MBA students knew or could grasp or understand when it comes to just the recruiting process? Some things that I wish MBA students knew... They're all typically, if I made generalizations, they're all very polite and um, respectful, but they are eager to follow up, which I get that. I, I am too when I'm in interview processes. I think what you don't know, uh, and this depends on the company. I've worked at an Amazon where we're recruiting thousands of people and I've worked at smaller companies where we're recruiting 10 people for an MBA role. The volume of candidates is high regardless of how many roles I've got open. And so as much as you might be frustrated with a delayed response on my side, I'm equally as frustrated with my own delayed response because um, I respectfully just cannot respond to everyone or that becomes my full-time job. And so have a little bit of grace for the recruiter is what I would say. Other things that I would want them to know, I think networking, of course, is important. I think people know that, but it's not always the best to network with the recruiter, just given the volume that recruiters have. Your best bet in networking is with your alumni specifically that are doing something you want to do. That alumni can submit a referral, that alumni can tell you about the culture, that alumni can have a conversation with you and be really candid in a way that, and you can be really vulnerable because they don't have a decision to make, that alumni that you're speaking with. And so where I, of course, have to represent the company and ultimately we'll make a decision on who's moving forward or not. So the recruiter is an important point of contact, but it's best to start with an alum first just to learn more about the company. I think that's really great. I think that's great advice. And I think obviously it differs company to company, but I think generally speaking, you're abs I think you're absolutely on point. And I, having done MBA recruiting at a couple of companies, would just love to know from you and your experience, what are some of the biggest mistakes that candidates, MBA candidates make in the process? What are the things you're just like, man, like I wish you wouldn't have done that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have recruited at a lot of schools and I think it's important to remember to be humble. Some of the most consistent feedback that I'll have in like debrief meetings after interviews are there'll be a candidate and people say, this candidate could totally do it, but I don't want to work with them. Like the, they come across in a way that's very prideful of their previous experience or maybe the school they got into or the work they've done. And it doesn't show a lot of collaboration or eagerness for that team to want to work with them. And just humbling yourself a little bit and um, remembering this is a two-way street. Like we need to think that you can do the job and we also want to work with, we also need to want to work with you. And so I think that's something that sometimes uh, people make mistakes about. And then I think the other one, if I could add is, I recognize recruiting season is really like a season. So students are applying to hundreds of positions and it is hard to adequately prepare for each position or each interview. And so it, it's clear when someone's doing the things that they think they're supposed to do. Specifically, I'm thinking like when it's your turn to ask questions, it's clear when you're asking questions that you think you're supposed to ask versus questions that you actually care about. Um, so I would write down your values, think about what you actually care about, and then come up with questions that relate to your values. So if you had 10 offers, you could decide where you want to go. 
Yeah, I think those are both great pieces of advice. I think being humble is always is always important. And then also, I think with that other piece that you just mentioned, I think what comes out to me there is this notion of being intentional when you're you're t- making sure you take the time uh, to be intentional. Fully understanding, recruiting season can get pretty crazy and. Sometimes it can be easy to want to mail something in um, or sometimes you just honestly have no choice and that happens. But yeah. uh, when you can, being intentional about the role that you're applying to, the company that you're focused on in that given moment, I think that's what I took away from, I think, what you just said. So I think those are I think those are both really great pieces of advice. So would love for you, now that we've talked a little about what you wish students knew and what some mistakes people made, would maybe just love for you to walk us through like, what a hiring process looks like in terms of how does a, how does the role even come about? The work that you mentioned, as you mentioned upfront, in terms of what you do to do some of that discovery, then going through the full funnel of phone screens all the way down to actually making the offer. Just to walk people through what that process looks like. Yeah, I'll be as succinct as I can about it. But preparing for an internship on the business side, on my side, that means I'm asking my business to plan two years in advance. Because no one wants an internship that doesn't have at least the potential to convert to full-time. So let's use this year, for example, or I guess starting last year. In summer of 2020, I'm going to go to my business and say, hey, how many full-time heads do we need in 2022? My business laughs at me for a second and says, I have no clue what I need in six months. What, what do you mean in two years? So I'm able to do the, the digging of the data and figure out what our attrition looks like, what our growth looks like, and make some guesses on here's how many full-time people we're going to need and what roles those are. And so that's a large part of it that I think goes unseen. It's not just raise your hand and say you want an intern. It's, it's not that easy. So once that's done, then we go through identifying, do we want to have core schools or do we want to have target events and let students from any school come to us? What diversity organizations are we going to be affiliated with or partner with? And so probably about two months before I start recruiting and we'll have gone through and identified at least the organization that's going to have the intern. Maybe we've identified the exact hiring manager and I'll ask those questions that I mentioned earlier around must-haves, nice-to-haves, things like that. So then I am partnering with my programs team, my marketing team saying, all right, here are the organizations we want to partner with. Let's get some attraction events going or how are we marketing to these areas of the country or these schools specifically? So that way, the students have heard about us before um, and not only heard about us, I've worked at companies people hear about, but um, are interested in us. There, there is an attraction there. They need to learn a little bit about us. Partnering with my hiring managers to talk about what classes do you want to get into? Where do we have connections? What events do we want to do? There's a product demo. We can talk about resumes. We can talk about case studies. And so then we're finally talking to students. And a lot of what I focus on is the attraction. I'm rarely going to event and writing students' names down. I do have to trust my process that I built out. I need it to be equitable for everyone. So sometimes I will have people that come in and say, hey, I met with a student during that event. They had an amazing question, conversation. They really get it. They'd be a great fit. Okay, excellent. But a lot of what I'm doing is just attracting the students to apply. And so that way I can work through my process because when I have all these one-off things, um, that's when mistakes happen. That's when people get, I forget to email them back. Um, So when I'm able to work through the process of um, having people apply, going through a, a, an assessment. At some companies, it's a more interactive assessment. At others, it's a written assessment. And um, then I will typically have a phone screen with that person. And a lot of that phone screen is to make sure that they have a good understanding of the job. I want to make sure the people I'm putting in front of my managers know what they're interviewing for. And sometimes the title of program manager is 
too ambiguous. Most of the time <laughs> that title is too ambiguous. It really depends on the business unit. So that's when I'm sharing the content I learned from my hiring team before about the must have skills, nice to have skills. So I'm prepping my candidates to be successful in their interview. And then from there, they go on through an interview two, maybe three interviews. If it's technical, there'll be that element. And we've got a debrief. And so during that debrief, the things that come up are what stories from the students stood out and were relevant. Sometimes we pass on candidates simply because your stories weren't specific enough. And so it's like, yeah, they, I think they could do it, but I don't really have anything tangible I can hold on to to advocate for that student. And so that's another element that I think students need to be aware of is being focusing on the STAR method and telling really specific stories. So I'll pause there as that's a lot, but that's a process to get through the end of an interview. Yeah, no, thank you for doing that. And it's a good way to walk it through. And I appreciate what you said, particularly in the last part about being able to tell your story and number one, to make it specific, but number two, to make it memorable, right? I know I'm sure at any given point you're evaluating or a team, a can team is evaluating numerous candidates and you want to be specific so that they give you the confidence that you have the ability to do the job and you want to be memorable in the sense of you want to make sure that you stand out. And so I think that's really great. But I also think it speaks to the importance of the role that you play, but also to a candidate. Um, if you're doing a phone screen, part of your, to the point you made, like as a program manager, as a recruiter, you want to be able to feel comfortable about the candidates you move forward and put in front of the hiring team. And so if you're uh, someone who's interviewing, I think part of your job is to figure is to think about how do I make sure that this person who's interviewing me feels really confident about putting moving me on and feels really good about presenting me to the hiring manager and saying, I think she could be a really great candidate, or I think he could be a really great candidate. And so it's almost like this meta game, if you will, not only are you trying to get the job, but you want to make sure as a candidate that you're putting a good impression on Paul and that Paul has the confidence to then go to the hiring manager and say, yeah, we should keep looking in for this candidate or that candidate. 100% because when I put candidates in front of my hiring teams, that's also my reputation. Exactly. So I've yeah. screened, this is the right candidate. You should interview them. And so sometimes it's a new role and I need to learn the role and they'll come back and say, hey, we need to tweak your filter. Most of the time they come back and say, good job. This was a great candidate pool or selection. Yeah. 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 So one thing on that of what you just said about sometimes the tweaking the filter, could you maybe talk a little bit about, there are sometimes I think team knows exactly what they're looking for. You work with them on the job description goes out. It's great. But every now and then, sometimes people don't always know exactly what they're looking for in a candidate. And to your point, like at some point you do have to like tweak things, right? How does that you know process sometimes work or what can you just give an example of how that works? Because I've had some people ask me about that sometimes where the job description said one thing, but then they, the team came back and said, hey, we're actually looking to move something else or move in a different direction. But sometimes they don't know until they see an applicant pool or a group of candidates to really iron that out. Yeah, yeah, it's... It is fascinating. I, I also have a side business where I'm a career coach with people and I get asked all the time, like, why did the hiring team do this? Or why did the recruiter say that? And there are so many reasons that anything could have happened. So for example, I had a, I had a hiring team at a previous company that we went through, we did all this stuff I talked about to prep for an interview or to prep for hiring interns. And then there was an organizational shift, like there was an organizational restructure. And so one thing that the hiring team takes into consideration when hiring someone new is how is my team balanced in skills? I don't need everyone to know SQL. I might need some people to know SQL, some Tableau, some a different product. But so when they went through the shift, they lost a lot of people on their team that had a core skill. 
And so that core skill became more important in the next hire. And so I had to shift my uh, candidate pool and tweak what I was looking for to make sure that specific skill would be included in the candidates that I was presenting, which maybe wasn't a priority before, but because of this team shift and their team had gotten moved to a different team, it became ultimately the number one important thing that we had to focus on. That's great. And thank you for giving that tactical example. I think it just helps sometimes paint the picture. And one thing, and just as a follow-up there, to your point, things do happen. And sometimes they're like, you, as a candidate, you can't control them. And do you think the lesson there is just focus on what you can control and try not to worry too much about what you can't? Or is there anything else that a candidate should be doing in those types of situations? I think that's great advice. Focus on what you can control. I think for candidates, if you can be really clear about what you want. And when I say that, I don't mean mm -hmm. a job title. Yeah. What do you want to get out of your internship? What are the skills you want to gain? Or what are your values that you have for your next position? Mm -hmm. And when you can share those with the recruiter or the hiring team, I think it opens up opportunities because then we're going to think of other positions we have available and we're not filtering by a job title as much as we are filtering by skills or interest areas. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. But as you mentioned, you've done recruiting at a couple different tech companies. Could you maybe share just from your experience, how MBA recruiting was similar or different comparing against some of these companies? Because to your point, there are some companies that literally are hiring thousands and maybe other ones that are maybe hiring 10 or 15. Yeah. So the companies that are hiring thousands, I'm not having that phone call with every candidate. I'm not having a phone call with any candidate at that point. Yeah, yeah. We really do rely on the, the system and process that was built. And so at that point, it is much more relationship management with the career management center and our programs and marketing and events teams to make sure that we are attracting the right candidate. That's when the attraction piece becomes the most important piece because I'm not going to have this one-on-one -on -one conversation with the candidate and say, they got to get through. And sometimes I will, of course, I'm going to go to those conferences and I'll meet the people and I'll seek out that one candidate. But by and large, it is an engine and you are going through it. And it's specifically designed to remove a lot of bias. So there is that benefit to it, which I do appreciate um, as we you know, try to increase representation in, the, in especially the tech industry. While at, I would say most other companies <laughs> that aren't recruiting thousands, you can have that more relational experience. And so... That's where you're networking with alumni, following a recruiter on LinkedIn. That's where those things are really going to pay off. Doing your research on the specific person or people that you could be meeting with. That's when that pays off a lot more because you can be much more tailored and uh, prepared for who you're meeting as opposed to when you're going through a larger recruiting process. You just, you don't know a lot because things change so quickly. Yep. I, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, I, I like how you broke that down. And I also think that being able to see two different sides of the coin, I also, I think I tell this to people all the time, particularly with tech, tech is not one monolithic thing, right? Like right. tech is, it's a lot. It can be a lot of things like different verticals, different sub verticals, but to, also to your point, as a result of the nature of the business and the type of volume of recruiting that you're doing, the candidate experience and just the steps in the process or how it's executed can also be different. And you may be looking at product manager roles at two tech companies and just the engagement and the outreach strategy might differ if you're looking at a company that's going to hire hundreds of product managers versus a company that's going to hire five or 10. 
And I think it's just always important to keep that in mind as a candidate. If you are looking at some uh, companies on that are, or if there's are companies on your list that are of different subsets or of different kind of hiring different volumes. Yeah. If I could add one thing there, recruiters who recruit just for MBA, they get mm-hmm. like MBA recruiting. If people listen to this, if they remember recruiting from undergrad, MBA recruiting is very different than that. So yeah. if you've got a recruiter who focuses solely on MBA, they're going to understand the ecosystem that is MBA recruiting. A lot of recruiters, especially at companies that aren't recruiting at mass volumes, might have a recruiter that's recruiting for MBA and some undergrad roles. And so that recruiter just doesn't understand, potentially doesn't understand the MBA ecosystem of recruiting as well. And so therefore, um, you as an MBA candidate might have to do some more education or sharing with that recruiter on what this timeline means, the policies your school has, what the process on your side looks like so that recruiter can be competitive and do their job. If they're not solely focused on MBA, you probably have some education to do with that recruiter. For sure. One thing I did want to ask you about because it's top of mind. And so we're, this is March, 2021. We've been in COVID for about a year now, and hopefully things are starting to get better. Things are slowly, but truly starting to get better. Could you maybe talk about how it's been for you this year, or just MBA recruiting in general, what has stayed the same, what's different, and also what's 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 ahead? Yeah, I've been really fortunate that the companies that I'm at are still hiring aggressively, <laughs> and that provides some job security for me, frankly. But we've moved forward in the same way with the limitations that everyone has, where it's all virtual. And so that has been, I think that's been actually better for the employer, for, for the company, because it does allow me to expand my candidate base. I'm able to, quote unquote, go to more places um, than I would if I'm going places physically. And so I think I'm able to test out different sources of talent, whether that's a different conference or program. I think that provides a lot of flexibility on the employer side. Uh, on the opposite, for candidates, I think it's been a little bit harder because I don't think there are as many openings right now. And it makes each one a little bit more important. Where it's going, I see companies, and this is just my anecdotally, but I think companies are going to be continuing to invest in MBA talent. I think MBA talent offers a lot of, MBA talent offers a utility player. You can come in mid-level and be that inquisitive person that offers a new insight because it's a career change for you, but have the foundation that's going to help you be really successful. It also allows companies to influence what their representation, just thinking about representation again, what it looks like at the mid-level instead of from just out of undergrad. So I don't just hire a more diverse undergrad class. I can influence that diversity into the middle of the organization as well. That's great. I'm optimistic too that MBA hiring will continue to to pick up and I certainly know my audiences as well. We yeah. definitely share your optimism. Paul, thank you so much for being here and for talking all things MBA tech recruiting. I guess maybe just to close here, any advice you want to give to maybe to MBA students right now who are trying to recruit for MBA tech roles, whether those are internships or full-time? Yeah, don't give up. I think, I, I know I said this recently, I think it really does come back to what you care about. Move away from the name, like the brand that you want to work for. Move away from the job title you want to work for. Identify the skills that you want, the type of like holistic career that you're looking for. And if you can articulate those things, I think you'll be able to find that 
I think you'll be able to find what you're looking for. It may just look different than what you had initially thought because you were thinking of a brand or a job title. So what can you get that's going to be satisfying and values driven, which I think will change the filter as opposed to just searching by employer name or job title. That's great advice. Great way to end. Paul Bauer, thank you so much for being here and for talking all things MBA recruiting. Really appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.